You're listening to Two Smart Assets with Chris Thompson and Danny Nichols. This is your source for passive investing in real estate syndications. It's time for us to gain knowledge and take action. So let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Two Smart Assets Podcast. I am your host, Danny Nichols, here once again with my co-host, Chris Thompson. Hey, what's going on, Danny? It's good to see you, man. Good to see you. I hope you're doing well. I know one thing's for sure. We have another great episode this week. Tell the listeners what we're talking about today. Okay. So uh, this week we brought in uh, Shannon Robnett. Uh, Shannon's been in real estate for over 40 years, and he's been involved in the development of over 200 million in construction projects. You know, we spoke a lot about, you know, just investing in real estate versus the stock market and how his managerial experience you know, has helped him succeed in real estate syndications. And he's got a lot of good stuff to say. He's got a lot of years of experience. So check him out. A lot, a lot of good stuff in this episode. And before we jump into that, just want to say, give a quick shout out to all of our listeners. We really appreciate you tuning in. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and written review. It really helps us grow the podcast, attract more guests, and ultimately provide better information for everyone listening. And if you're a passive investor or looking to get into passive investing, then head over to our website at twosmartassets.com. There you can grab our guide for passive investing in apartment syndications. Just a great introduction into the world of passive investing in apartment syndications. So make sure to check that out. Also, grab our apartment syndication sample deal. This is going to help you get comfortable with looking at this type of investment so when the real opportunities come your way, you'll be ready. If you have any questions about what's in either of these resources, drop us a line anytime on our website's contact us page, or you can message us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We're posting some great content on there, so make sure to follow us and start connecting. All right, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody. Today's guest is Shannon Robnett. Shannon has been in the real estate industry for over 40 years. He's been involved from start to finish on over $200 million in construction projects, covering the gamut from multifamily, professional real estate buildings, to city halls, uh, fire and police stations, schools, industrial, and even mini storage. He's also a real estate syndicator, providing opportunities to investors that are seeking the great tax advantages provided through real estate. Two years ago, Shannon moved to Puerto Rico for tax purposes, leaving Boise, Idaho, his hometown of 40 years, where he still has three companies today. Shannon, it's great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you uh, taking the time just to come hang out and uh, share a little bit of knowledge. And, uh, you know, uh, you've been involved in a lot of real estate deals. You know, so let's just take it back just a little bit and just share a little bit about your background and how you got into real estate and, and what are you focused on today? Well, you know, Chris, I don't think I had a choice getting involved in real estate. My my great grandfather on my mom's side uh, was involved. He was a, a realtor back before the Great Depression. Uh, my grandmother, my mother, myself, my son. I got a 25 year old son that's a real estate agent. So that's that's one half. My dad was uh, a general contractor in California. Uh, my brother and I are both builders as well. So it kind of just it's it's what I saw at the dinner table. You know, uh, I was one of those kids that grew up learning things from their parents that you never should have known, you know, like 1031s and how to buy equipment at the end of the year to save taxes. You know, the kind of stuff you want right between Paso Brussels sprouts and what's for dinner, mom. <laughs> right. That's cool. That's pretty interesting. But, you know, I, I just grew up that way. And, you know, I saw how deals were done. I saw how, you know, if you could find what people needed, you know, everybody wanted that house 
on the other side of town, or they wanted a new warehouse building, but there wasn't one available, but there was plenty of ground. And I always just kind of figured out a way that if I could provide you with what you wanted, then I created my job. I mean, Chris, you're in real estate. You understand that if you're not creating value for your client, you don't have a job. And so I just kind of fell into that kind of naturally that if I could find it, put the deal together and build it, then I could have what I wanted, which was the freedom to do my thing, you know? And as I grew, as I did more deals, as I as I helped more people, I started to create relationships that created partnerships. And so we, you know, we got to know each other building your building and now we're off building a spec building or maybe we're doing something like this. And just, you know, as I kept growing, I, I finally just kind of got to the point where I've outgrown my partner's checkbooks, you know? I mean, for lack of a better way to put it. And so I've just had to go into the syndication world after, you know, 25 years in my own companies, I've had to go into the syndication world to, to be able to fund my real estate habit, you know? Um, And so I've, I've just kind of continued to branch out. You know, I've got, I've got a a construction company where we build everything. Uh, We also are a four, uh, four hire builder. So we work for other people. We're, we're building apartment complexes for other people. We're building industrial for other people. Um, we're building some office buildings for other people. So we've got plenty of stuff going on. And then I also do development. So we're, we're entitling the ground. We're, we're getting we're working with the cities. We're making sure that kind of stuff happens. And then if that's not enough, I have a property management company because I am a little bit of a control freak when it comes to that. And I want to make sure that the syndications that I'm putting together, the partnerships that I'm putting together, the people that I'm putting in my apartments are getting the type of service that they need, that they desire, because turnover can be a killer, right? Oh, yeah. And it, runaway expenses can be a killer on your NOI. So I've just kind of created my own little niche in the world that I guess maybe it's a little unique or maybe it's just the fact that it's mine um, mm-hmm. is is what makes it unique to me. So that's kind of, you know, Chris, uh, from where I started to where I'm at, that's just kind of the short version of how I got here. It's pretty powerful. And basically like all, all this really centers around providing value for others, you know, and like yeah. from, from your, your actual clients all the way down to the tenants, you know, making everybody happy is just creating this uh, awesome community. that's you know, really providing uh, quite a, uh, quite a life for yourself. So, I mean, it's, Huge, huge, powerful, man. You know, one of the things, Chris, that people forget, and and you saw it a lot during COVID when you heard, you know, tenants talk about things that were happening during COVID with cancel rent. And then you heard landlords talking about, you know, I got to get rid of these guys. And mm-hmm. and really, everybody forgot that, you know, the tenant is the customer. And, and, and there's a responsibility back and forth from the customer to the landlord and from the landlord to the tenant. And what we found during that time is if you were really engaging, if you were really taking care of your customer, we weren't having those issues, right? Because mm-hmm. they felt that there was value in what they were receiving. You know, back to what you were saying that if they're feeling like there's value, I've got a great place. I don't want to move somewhere else because I really like where I live. I really like who I rent from and I don't want to get kicked out of here. Even though it's a 180 unit apartment complex, people still feel that kind of value. And that's important. No, Yeah, that's huge. Moving in itself is an inconvenience, but uh, you know, when I'm not getting anything out of it, I got nothing to lose. So I'm just going to pick up and go, you know, as soon as everything started to hit, you know, we were immediately reaching out to our tenants, like 
see how you're doing. Like, you yeah. know, we, we, we already know like, you know, who their employers are and stuff. So we have a relative idea of how they're actually doing financially in terms of, do they still right. have a job or whatever? But, uh, you know, just opening that line of communication and just being able to, you know, we're not super wealthy, but we have a, a little bit of ability to, to bring you a couple supplies if you need it. You know, if we have, we have toilet paper, we have paper towels, like just anything like, what do you guys need? And it's much easier yeah. to, uh, approach a situation if we can see it coming, you know, if we know that, you know, you're likely to lose your job or, or something, your hours are getting cut or anything like that. Like it's much easier to approach that seeing it ahead of time rather than backtrack and figure out, well, why are you late on your rent or whatever? And then it's just, it just becomes this whole issue. That's just so much easier to deal with. If we can get out in front of it, stay out in front of it, they appreciate well, the heck out of it. Yeah. And we were, you know, we were taking rent by the week, you know, we were, we were getting paid when they were getting their unemployment benefits. And we had, you know, one of our full-time gals that was, uh, you know, she was processing, she was like a, a claims processor because she was processing with the uh, Idaho housing to get rental assistance. And she, I think she got like, like 23 of our tenants rental assistance, right? So she actually got pretty good at it, but running the gamut and having somebody that's used to paperwork, running down that paperwork for our clients, our tenants kept everybody paid and kept everything moving on. You know, mm-hmm. now that Idaho's back at full swing and everybody's back to work, we're down below 5% again on unemployment and have been for several months. We don't have anybody trying to move out. In fact, we have everybody, we have several people that were trying to move out or had told us that they were probably only going to be there for a year renewing because they really liked what they found when, you know, when the chips were down, nobody was, we, we weren't adversarial. Right. Yeah, no, that's huge. That's powerful. And that just goes to show that, you know, that you're actually doing the right things, you know, and that they actually see the value. You know, it's one thing to try and do something, but it's another thing to actually see it in motion and watch it be successful in that they re-sign the lease. They had every option to go and like, actually, it's kind of nice around here. And just like you said, when the chips are down, I know where I stand here. Yeah. That's Huge. Well, you know, the other thing too, Chris, when you, you know, so many property managers, they manage property, right? I mean, and I know, I, I don't know why people are surprised that they're property managers and they manage property, but they fail to realize that their actual job is to be asset managers, right? So as an asset manager, I don't want any vacancy. I don't want any turnover. I don't want any cleaning bills. I don't want any move in and move out fees. As a property manager, I'm motivated because I sign a lease, I get paid. I get paid more to sign a lease than I do to renew a lease. When I go in and I clean up an apartment after a a tenant moves out, I get markup on that. And so by having control of that and aligning my property management with my asset, I have something that's sale ready every day because we're getting top dollar rents. We're not, we're doing creative concessions that are off balance sheet concessions. So we're you know, hey, how about we, you know, how about we help you out? You're, you're moving in, um, you're struggling with your deposit. We'll let you pay your deposit over the first month. Or, you know, if, if you're if you're going to stay, here's a $500 gift card instead of giving the concession, an actual handout concession. And we're doing things like that that are helping them stay, helping them renew, but we're also keeping our rents at the highest level we can, right? And so, at that time, we're sitting there giving them the best service they can have. We're retaining those people. We're not experiencing even 10 days in between the time one person moves out, you clean the apartment, maybe you got to repair a little carpet, and the next one moves in. 10 days is quick, but that's still 10 days of lost revenue, right? right. And that it doesn't matter what you do, that shows up in your NOI. And then you've got, you know, all those other things that go with it. You've got the cleaning expense and you've got, you know, the make ready expenses and all those things. So I've really trained my people or my people 
people have really trained me, one of the two, to keep that to an absolute minimum and see what you can do to keep that tenant because that's going to be better for everyone long term. And then if you're if you're sitting there in a position where you're really sellable at any point, you're not sitting there going, well, we went through a tough time. We gave everybody concessions. We dropped the rents here. We're not quite ready to sell, but we can now get everything ramped back up and get this asset ready to sell. We're always in top-notch position, right? We're always right there. And we've also found ways to get every single nickel we can out of the additional revenues, whether we're reselling cable, whether we've got concierge trash, whether we've got preferred parking. I mean, we, we've we got a list of things that you can get for, that are extras that we'll take every nickel you've got if you're willing to give it. And that, again, helps NOI puts us at about $122 a door in additional income, right? Almost 10% of the rent on additional income. That's pretty good. That's awesome. Let's take a a small little pivot. You know, let's take some time for some of those investors that are a little bit new to syndications and, you know, and, and they're in the process of learning. Would you care to explain a little bit like why you think this is such a great investment vehicle? You know, Chris, I think the world is a pyramid and I, I don't mean a pyramid scheme, but I think the world is a pyramid. I think there's a lot of guys out there with 10 bucks, right? There's fewer guys with a hundred and there's a lot less out there with a million, but it's, it's easy to get a group people together that all have $20,000 that want to be in real estate, that want to take advantage of those things. And if you really look at it, Chris, you're a realtor. You look at the cost per foot on a single family home versus the cost per foot on an apartment. And the difference is huge. The single family home is much more expensive per foot and the revenue on it doesn't change a whole lot as far as what it will rent for. And so the, the ROI on a single family home is not near as good as it can be on an apartment, but you're talking about a $10 million purchase on apartments. So a syndication is basically the grouping of those people together. You know, you've got your general partner, which is your leader. He's the one that found the deal. He's putting everything together. He's taking care of all the paperwork and everything. And then you've got all these other passive investors that don't want the, what is it, toilet trash and termites, right? They don't want to deal with all of that. They just want to be able to invest. They want the tax advantages of real estate. They want the passive income of real estate. They want the growth of the asset over time. And so they're really able to get all of those things without having to be involved. And, and really in that, there's two different kinds of, of you know, syndications or, or there's, you know, the, the most popular one out there is the value add, right? Where you find something, it's, uh, you know, the third or fourth turn, you know, it's a 1973 Motel 6 that's been converted, right? I mean, it, it can be a lot of things but it's, it's your turn and it needs value added to it. So you found something, maybe it's a little under market, maybe it needs, uh, you know, something cleaned up. It needs, you know, new paint, new carpet, and, and you're able to buy it at 10 or 12% under market, right? On a $10 million asset, that's a million bucks, right? And then you're going to come in and you're going to put new paint on it. You're going to re redress the place up. You're going to maybe make the landscaping nicer, put new furniture in the clubhouse, and you're going to be able to do all of that stuff. And then you're going to be able to force the appreciation on that and get another hundred bucks a door, $115, $120 a door, and then raise the value back up on your asset, right? So that's one way to do it. We do it by building in the value by new construction. So I'll give you an example. We're underway on a 36-unit apartment complex in Nampa, Idaho, right across the street from Northwest Nazarene University. And our all-in cost on the project is $5.3 million. That's financing, land, entitlements, the whole thing, right? Our appraisal uh, in December of 19 was $6.4 million. 
So there's a million dollars in value just to assemble all the sticks and stones and put the people in there, right? And so by doing that, we were able to create the value. And so I went and got a $3.7 million development loan, okay? I got a million and a half dollars in syndication equity and LP partners. I put in 400,000 of my own money. We're building that process out. We've already got two unsolicited offers at over uh, appraised value. And my syndicators are getting a 35% profit on whatever that value is. So on the million dollars, they're looking at a 27, 28% return just on what we're doing. Because all we're trying to do, Chris, is we're just trying to create that initial value and then sell the asset, right? Because what so many people look at is when they get into syndication and they get into the value you add part of it, you're adding some value, but you're really making your money over the next five to seven years as that asset grows by three to 5%. And now you're you're going down the road and you're saying, well, when we're harvesting this in five years, we're all going to make a 19% IRR, right? That doesn't mean you made 19% in the first year because usually the first year is pretty lean. Second year is a little bit better. Third year is better. But by the time you get to the end, it's not your cash on cash. It's not your cash flow that made you money. It's the fact that you sold the asset. In new construction and development, what I do, we're able to do that in the first 12 months, right? So we're not having to go through that prolonged process that you have. And really, when you look at it, you have two different kinds of investors. You've got those that want the growth, the younger people like yourself, because, I mean, seriously, you, you, you're looking to grow your, your value before you go for that cash on cash. And then you've got the other group that just likes the cash on cash because they have enough money to deploy. They just want a solid investment that pays them every month. And so we grow that asset, we create that value, and then we sell it off to a group that just wants cash flow. And so they're picking up a brand new asset. They're going out on a 10-year life with no value to add. They've got a turnkey deal. It's stabilized and we make off like a, we make out like a bandit and we're gone on a project in 12 to 18 months. That's pretty incredible. That was actually going to be my next question is like what the that turnaround time is. And uh, that's incredible. I, I don't know too many other things that can provide some, that kind of return uh, that quickly. It's pretty awesome. And the reality is it, a lot of people look at it, Chris, and they go, well, but development is risky. Well, let me ask it this way. If I'm at 70% loan to cost, 60% loan to value, and I come into a down market and you just bought your brand new uh, value add apartment complex in October of 19 in Orlando, Florida. And by January of 2020, you had spent all of your CapEx and guess what showed up in February? COVID and no tourists, right? Mm -hmm. Who is in a riskier position because you're at 105% of value because you've spent all your CapEx, you're unable to ratchet up, you're, you're able unable to force the appreciation. I'm sitting at 70% loan to, uh, loan to cost, 60% loan to value, and I'm able to take 53% of what I had projected for rents in order to pay my mortgage. So who, who's really, who's really uh, in the risky situation here? You got a huge, make huge point there. That's uh, definitely food for thought. I mean, yeah, what everybody's, most everybody's, people don't trust in development is the developer. <laughs> I mean, let's just call it like it is, right? They're afraid that the builder's not going to perform. They're afraid that the developer missed his numbers or he doesn't have that right. And so there is some risk there. There's, it's not that there's not risk, right? Mm -hmm. But again, mm -hmm. it's just like a good value add team or a good syndication team. 
It's about making sure that the people that you're aligned with have done this before. They know what numbers they're looking at. They know what their value is supposed to be. And they know where their, their competition is. They've, you know, this isn't their first rodeo. They knew to include doorknobs, you know, all those kinds of things that some people forget, right? You know, I don't want to necessarily take this too far off the subject here, but, uh, you know, I had a conversation recently about the stock market. We were just kind of sitting at the, sitting at the bar, you know, shooting the breeze and, uh, you know, you can't talk people into, you know, what they're not interested into. And, and I wasn't even trying, but, uh, you know, uh, we get on, you know, about the stock market, you know, he's, he's raving about the stock market. I'm a little less so about that just because a, a, right. a multitude, a multitude of reasons that we might not even need to sure. get into right now. But, uh, you know, every situation, everybody's situation is a little bit different. But I was curious, like, tell us why like real estate syndications are like the next best thing to investing, uh, I guess, versus the stock market or, you know, or how it's potentially even better than the stock market. Because we're well, talking about growth. In, and- in my mind, in my mind, there's a, there's, there's a lot of reasons why real estate's a lot better than the stock market. You ever heard of a little company called Enron? Yeah. A little company for sure. What happened if you had Enron stock? What do you have now? Right? Zero. You ever heard of the Great Recession in in 2008 and 2009? Mm-hmm. What happened if you had a three-bedroom, two-bath house for $150,000 at the peak of the market in 07, and all you did was, was keep the tenant in there and keep the payments going? What do you have now? You still have a house. So that's one thing because you have a hard asset, right? The other thing is the last time I bought a stock was a long time ago, but if you bought a stock, can you depreciate a stock? Can you leverage a stock? When you go buy a stock, last time I checked, you might get a margin account for 10%, but the last time you did a real estate syndication, what did you get? 85% loan to value? So you got a $100,000 house, you got an $85,000 loan, you're coming in for 15,000 bucks. You can't do that in the stock market. So now the power of leverage is blowing your doors off as far as what your real ROI is because your return is on the 15,000 and you're controlling $100,000 worth of growth at 3%, right? So then you look at your tax advantages. When you sell stock, can you can you defer the gain on stock? Not that I've heard of. You can't do a 1031 with your stock account, right? If you sell your Intel stock, you're paying taxes on it. If you if you carry that over to next year, that's fine. You sold it in January. You're still paying taxes on it, even though you turned right around and bought another stock. You can't do that. So to me, to me, the argument that the stock market is anything even close to real estate is ludicrous. And you know, here's the thing, Chris. If you don't realize this right now, that you have a 35 to 38 percent partner in Uncle Sam, and that you have two choices, either feed him or plan on starving him out, then you don't really know what making money is really all about, right? And the reason I say that is because if you're not paying attention to what your partners are taking from you and ways to deal with them, then you're not understanding the full business picture. Some people look at the IRS and the tax code as a penal code. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as a roadmap, right? I look at it as if you buy real estate, I will reward you. If you buy stock, I will not. If you buy dividend producing things and things that are rental assets that stimulate economic growth, then I will reward you. If you 
don't, I won't. And so there's a lot of things in there when you really, really look at real estate and you look at how the tax code is written, there is not one single asset class on the face of the planet that that behaves, that gives you the tax advantages of real estate, none. And that is where I mean, think about this. You could buy a $100,000 house, depreciate it just in a straight line depreciation over 29 and a half years, 27 and a half years. At the end of that time period, the IRS tells you, Chris, that house is only worth the land. And you say, okay, great. I'm going to sell it and I'm going to go buy another house and I'm going to be able to depreciate that one. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to pay taxes on it. And I'm still going to collect revenue on it. And all of that revenue is only going to be taxed at 15% dividend income instead of ordinary income. Honestly, Chris, you can't sit here and talk to me that the stock market is even close, even though you could have bought, I don't know, Pinterest, right? Or Wayfarer at the beginning of the the pandemic, and you could be up 4,000%. In order to do anything else with Pinterest or Wayfarer, you have to sell it and recognize that gain. Period in the story. I, uh, you, you make some you make some killer points. I feel like the stock market is like this casino game that I have no control over. And you're talking about you know a little bit of a control freak. I think this is one of the reasons why I personally like it because at my own hands or at, like at the the hands of my team, we sink or swim based on our own merit. We don't have to worry about some guy busting out a tweet and in our stocks tank. Like that's that's insane. We're, we're smoking a joint on a podcast, right? I mean, oh man. <laughs> I mean, that was right. That's what Elon did, right? And mm-hmm. I just saw another article the other day that Elon was saying that uh, Tesla was a month away from bankruptcy when it was rolling out the S model. Back to what you said about you and your team. You had absolutely no control over that stock. And while he was rolling out that S model, the stock market, the stock price was actually going up, but the internal guts of that company were about to fall out on the sidewalk. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Being in control of your your own destiny and your asset uh, is just the beginning of the benefits. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So we we've established, you know, syndications are a, an extremely powerful investment vehicle. Um, you know, we talk to a number of people who are interested in investing. You know, their hard earned money, but they just aren't sure syndications are for them. You know, uh, one of the more common concerns that we kind of hear is, um, you know, it, it sounds like a scheme, I guess, or it's too risky. You know, to to hand your money over to someone else. How do you talk about this fear with investors, and what actions do you suggest? investors take in order to kind of make a wise investment in a syndication? Well, here's here's one thing I do. I ask them, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm a cosmetologist. I cut hair. So you expect people to sit down. They've spent two months growing this stuff out. They give you money and they expect you to do what you are trained to do with their hair. Or what do you do? I'm a dermatologist. Okay. And you you make a living knowing specifically how to treat skin, right? How to how to deal with people who have illness of the skin, right? They've got they've got cancer, they've got things like that that need to be dealt with. And you're a specialist in that area. And so are we. We specialize in property. We specialize in real estate. And so let me ask you this, Mr. Dermatologist or Miss Miss Cosmetologist, do you really think you're going to do a better job of being a, a, an asset manager, of, of renting, of picking, 
of buying, of selling, of renovating, of marketing a rental property? You think you're going to do a better job? Do you think you have more risk involved in you doing it or in you going back to doing whatever it is you do and letting me do what I do as a professional and getting the benefit of my 40 years of experience and my whole team, whereas you're going to have to take time off of work when the water heater goes out? Who do you think is really going to do a better job of taking care of that asset? And in the meantime, you're at work making money while I'm at work making your money work, right? right? I mean, you're going to take your Saturday and you're going to go scour around to try and find a rental, right? I've got realtors calling me. I've got, I mean, I've got, I'm on everybody's speed dial when a new piece of dirt comes up, right? Hey, I know you like it. Of course I like it. I've never bet a piece of real estate I didn't like, right? Doesn't mean I can buy it right now. It's just, that's the argument that I always put back to them, right? I mean, how do you really understand? I mean, you, you've been to, you've, you've read books. Okay, I get that. And, and that's amazing. That's great. You, you should always know enough that you can tell if the person that you're working with knows what they're talking about. But is that really how you want to spend your free time? Is that how you really want to grow your business? Because you can only do one thing at a time. And if you're doing real estate and then going back to your cosmetologist job and then going back to real estate, you're not you're not multitasking, but if you're investing in my syndication while you're doing your dermatology or your cosmetology or your Scientology, whichever whichever ology you want to do, then you're multitasking and your money is working for you while you go earn more money. I'm with you all the way on that. It's yeah, no one's going to do a better job than the specialists in that field. And right. uh, you might as well. I mean, there's proper due diligence that needs to go into that prior to that point, but you said it better than I think I could have ever said it. I actually have I actually have a, a slightly off-topic question here, but you know, um, I know like you're you're big on playing, uh, setting goals, achieving, you know, and this year has really kind of taken its toll on everybody in different ways. And, uh, and I'm curious is like what, what your goals were for this year? Uh, like let's say from 2019 going into 2020, like what were your goals like? Have you had to make any course corrections and what has that done for your planning? You know, we're about to turn the corner into 2021. What does that look like for you? You know, uh, I think like everybody, we started hitting walls in March um, and it was the wall of the unknown. You know, you can't just keep charging on to the darkness. We've never seen anything like this in the market. We've never seen anything like this from our governments. We've never seen anything like this from our tenants. And so what we did was we really spun that light on ourselves. And we said, okay, listen, I can't get rid of any of you because the minute this turns around, I'm going to need all of you. So let's work on each of you and let's work on our internal communication. Let's work on all of our systems. Let's pick up our room. Let's clean the dishes. Let's make sure that this thing is at absolutely peak performance so that when they turn the water back on and we're going back at 110 miles an hour, we are dialed in and we have used that time for self-help, self improvement, business help, business improvement. We've taken all the bugs out of our system that we could probably iron out. We've we've given everybody their 40 hours. We've invested in the company. You know, Chris, how many times have you been doing something and gone, gosh, I wish I had the time for that seminar. I wish I had the time to read that book. I wish I had the time to, to do this thing that would make me so much better at what I already do. Well, we took the time. We didn't waste it. Y'all, we all got 365 days this year. 
here, right? We didn't, we did not achieve, nor did I do I think anybody achieved the the door count that they wanted or the the volume that they wanted, or you know, so had as many transactions as they wanted. But at the end of the day, the ones that we're doing now are like grease lightning, man. They are so easy, they are so simple because we have we have taken the kinks out and we've looked at our processes and we've really we've invested back into the companies to make the companies better to do the the heavy lifting that's going to come in 21 because as we all know Chris there's been a huge we we created more pent up demand right I mean, if you don't know that, look at where the rents are falling on the coasts and everybody's moving inland because they decided staying with 9 million of their closest friends in San Francisco during a pandemic was no longer their idea of a good time. So now we've got extra on the coast, but where they're moving to Idaho or, or Colorado or Wyoming, we don't have enough. So when we turn the faucet back on, we're now going in 130%, but it feels like a nice job because we're tuned up and we're ready to go and because we reinvested in our companies, our personnel and our people. Now, I think I think that's huge. Uh, I really appreciate the fact that you guys, like you say, you, you turn the spotlight on yourself and use that time for that personal and business development. And I mean, that's, that's huge. And keeping people around, just like you said, like, I can't get rid of you because as soon as this comes back and it will, I'm going to need you back. I, I think that's huge. Like being able, being able to like make that, make that pivot and then use that time wisely just to come out, like you said, come out like grease lightning. Like that's pretty awesome. Uh, I, I feel like not a lot of people are doing just like what you're doing. They kind of, I don't know. Yeah. No, nobody really hit the volume and the stuff that they were aiming for, but uh, I don't really hear a lot of people doing self-reflection and self-improvement, you know, at least not as much as I would have liked to have heard. I think that's huge. And uh, you guys definitely got something good going on over there. It's awesome. Well, one of the things that we always do, Chris, is you've seen this in your business. Okay. It's not hard to be a realtor. It takes consistency. It takes tenacity. It takes a little bit of knowledge. It takes a lot of people skills, right? And you've seen people that sometimes you wonder how they tie their own shoes that are very successful at certain things, right? Those are the kind of people we like to hire. I mean, we like it when they could tie their own shoes, but what we look for is we look at those people that have the tenacity, right? They have the people skills. They have, you know, I, I, I use this term a lot. A trained monkey could do my job, literally, right? It, my job is not not hard. What's hard about my job is the fact that the 14 hours the day have to be done because if they don't get done today and they don't get done tomorrow and they don't get done to the next day, we're now a week behind and it's only Wednesday, right? right? And so when you look at that, that that monkey, that me has to show up all those hours. But what we look for is we look for the caliber of person that we want to hire and then we train them to do what we want them to do. And so when you have when you have a time like we have, you're tuning up a a person of value, not an employee. You're tuning right. up someone that is invested in your company and knows that you're invested in them. And that's all the difference in the world because we don't, employees come and go, right? But if you've got people that have the, the skill set and the mindset, you can train them to do anything and you can conquer the world. I really, I really like the fact that you made that distinction, you know, just employees come and go. But this isn't what we're talking about here. We're talking about like investing in somebody else's life. They've invested in ours. And we have a legitimate relationship going on where we both see value in each other. And there's a ton of mutual respect rather than it's just a, a boss employee relationship. And they're going to go when, you know, times are tough or 
tighten up our belt here and they're gone like that. Well, how can you convince somebody to invest $50,000 with you for 10 years when you won't invest that in an employee? You're right. So if you can't hire the caliber of person that you can see yourself working with for the next 10 years, why are you expecting your syndication following to do the same? Right. It's huge. That's an awesome point. Uh, you so, know, Shannon, we're, we're starting to run out of time. Uh, I've really appreciated uh, the little bit of time you've been able to uh, share with me. Your vast knowledge uh, is going to bring a lot of value to a lot of our listeners. And uh, I'm extremely thankful. Um, you know, since you're so glad valuable. Here. Yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, you know, since you've been, you brought some value to us, like I'd really like to just kind of shine the spotlight on you. You know, for a couple minutes, like tell me, tell me what you got going on, man. Tell the listeners. Well, we've got, you know, we've got a pipeline of about 500 doors for the next couple of years that we're bringing on. Um, we've got some industrial space. If you're looking at, you know, uh, trying to branch out for multifamily, looking at other investment classes, industrial is a great one. You can find what we're doing at shannonrobnet.com or my vertical equity. Those are places that you can find us and and swimming by, check it out, see what we're doing, see what's different between ground up and value add. Find the link in there, schedule a call with me. We can chat some more. Perfect. Um, you know, we'll, we'll make sure to include those, uh, those links in the show notes. Shannon, it was really great having you on the show. I definitely appreciate you uh, hanging out with me today. And for the listeners, you know, that's kind of all the time we have for today. Uh, stay tuned next week and we'll bring you another great guest. Take care. Thanks Shannon. again, Thank Chris. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.